evening to one and all present here. I welcome all the people who are from Fearless Educators. Um, a very big thank you to the sponsor Helios Educure and all the participants and a very special welcome to our speaker, K. Prabhakaran. Mr. K. Prabhakaran is a postgraduate in geography along with a degree in education. He has been the university rank holder during graduation and a recipient of National Merit Award during his postgrad. He started his career as a lecturer. He believes that students are not about textbook. Education doesn't end with textbooks. He believes in much more that is integration of the entire surrounding, the entire community work. He's also a member of Round Square. He has been very active with flash, flash floods that happened. He has been in a part of the rescue team during Uttarakhand, Tamil Nadu, and Kerala, Kerala flash, flash floods. He's also an avid tracker and um, I think that's something that I would also like to do whenever I get an opportunity. So, Mr. Prabhakaran, I'll get in touch with you then. And uh, he has traveled and trekked through length and breadth of the Himalayas. Uh, we, he has been a head, headmaster of various schools and dean of academics of Dune School, Dehradun. Uh, he has 34 years of his career spread out in all CBSE, ICSE, IB schools. Currently, he's the 20th headmaster of Lawrence School, Lavadel, and is impacting the change that global leaders require today. So he beautifully brings in a holistic approach into teaching, learning process. So I welcome Dr. K. Prabhak, uh, Mr. K. Prabhakaran. Uh, if I introduce myself, I have been an educator for almost 30 years now. I've worked with Ryan Group for around 17 years, thereafter with Educomp as Vice President. I have been with Sriram Global Group for uh, as a director again. Currently, I'm with Aravali Foundation. I've been with JK Group as their uh, head for uh, Lakshmi Patsinghani Education Foundation. So I think uh, my introduction is more than enough now. Uh, we move on to Mr. K. Prabhakaran. It's his day today. We'd like to know what's happening. We've read it in his profile. I have read it out to you, but we'd really like to know how do they implement what all we are reading here or what all we saw, because we saw loads of things in the video that was just presented. Let's see how he gets it done. So over to uh, Mr. Prabhakaran, next 30 minutes are all yours. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Madhuri Bharti. And um, of course, uh, you have spoken so highly of me. And I'm basically a teacher into education for many years. I hope uh, you can hear me properly. And um, my topic today is uh, the topic which is about the 21st century education with reference to uh, National Policy of Education 2020. So when I start uh, bringing, when, when, I, when I'm thinking of education to start with, uh, education in a nutshell is all about uh, bringing the best in a human being. It's, it's an experience, it's a journey, and also 
it's it's a self discovery of each one of us our our strength and our weaknesses and on top of it education should make us feel proud and make us feel that life is worth living uh, marks grades examination uh, various other uh, you know uh, structural um, gradings is a part of it uh, it's nothing wrong in it in a country like ours there is no other alternate uh, method however uh, on a larger perspective education is much more than all these uh, parameters which we think about now coming back to the point which i'm talking to um, in in today's session this is about national policy of education here i have uh, national policy of education 2020 this is 66 page by ministry of education ministry of hrd is changed to ministry of education now what is there and what are we going to see the change in next 10 20 25 years because this policy is going going to be uh, very very challenging on one side and it's going to it's going to be the future of the country it's going to be the future of our educational institutions and children so uh, first of all there are four major changes uh, where i look at this is going to impact us on a positive way i'm i'm a very optimistic person whatever decision we take whatever we do generally it has to it it has to have a positive impact in our society so all these are designed on a positive way uh, here the first one is uh, india india is a is a country of languages uh, more than 20 languages plus 200 plus dialects we have and uh, of course english as a language being a link language a colonial language which we have learned which is also a source of a lot of information as well as progress to us has its own importance but at the same time uh, it's it's first time that uh, uh, our education policy is uh, giving focus on linguistic diversity uh, no other country in this world can have uh, this this level of uh, diversity linguistic diversity which we we need to be proud of it and and that diversity should be something uh, we should inculcate in our children so it is giving an opportunity starting from the classical language like sanskrit to regional languages from different part of the country that that opportunity and emphasis on that will bring a lot of change and on top of it uh, there is an there's a stress on uh, teaching and learning in mother tongue in in foundation stage that is uh, up to class 5th which is very very uh, interesting because uh, if we don't know and value the linguistic diversity which we have and who's going to value us it has got its own limitations challenges but it is worth taking it and the second is the pedagogical structure you know 10 plus 2 plus 3 is completely going to be changed into 5 plus 3 plus 3 plus 4 and this is a it's a massive stage uh, a change in which it is divided into four section one is foundation stage where uh, emphasis is given on on observation and understanding basic uh, numerical ability and to see moving into next um, preparatory as well as middle school stage where uh, you you understand and learn the concepts and various other subjects and then a secondary level 9 to 12 you have a deeper understanding uh, with a with a different platform with multiple uh, multidisciplinary multiple choices in a multidisciplinary way and this is something the second important change which will bring in a positive way and uh, something which is which is very important in this point is that all these years uh, we had a stereotype uh, uh, template we categorize and uh, stereotype children oh you are 
physics, chemistry, biology, you put them in a bracket that you are a science student, then uh, mathematics, then commerce and business studies, then children who are studying in uh, history, civics, geography, etc., etc., yeah, humanities. So there is a clear cut categorization going on, but this is not good to work out. This is, uh, it has got its own plus point, but on a, on a larger scale, such structural um, uh, uh, way of putting things in a template will come to an end. Uh, students will get an opportunity to select subject of their own choice. You can study physics with history, history with mathematics. Oh, that, that multiple choice is something which is very, very important because children do learn their strengths and weaknesses by going through different experiences, different experiences, let it be music, art, science, or language, or anything. So that will bring a lot of change. Moving into next phase, uh, uh, this is something uh, which is very, very uh, interesting to say that, you know, uh, internship, the vocational training, uh, the CBSC has got certain aspects of, uh, uh, you know, internal assessment, ICSC, IB, all has got internal assessment. But here in this system, it will give a wider opportunity where uh, the people over a period of academic year, there is no difference between what you study in the classroom or what you go for an internship for five or 10 days or go for a field study. So you will get a hands-on experience of what we are doing. Uh, most of the schools are doing it, but however, this will be in a structured way in which everybody uh, will get an opportunity, get a flavor of, of uh, some level of vocational training, which will be add on to our theoretical studies. Now, why I'm telling you, this is very, very important. For example, um, if I put it in a, in a very simple way, our children study a lot of physics, you know, starting from fifth standard to class 12th, or maybe 10th, some in most of the school science is compulsory. We study about electricity, we study about various aspects of, of you know, things. But at the same time, after studying 10th about electricity, power, sound, is our children are equipped to deal with real life? Do they know how to how to change a bulb from a holder? They don't know some minor repair if it happens in the house. Do they have a hands-on experience of understanding and, and doing something in their own way? That is what sometimes our education system lacks. We study economics. In economics, we study a lot of things about company laws and um, economy and everything. So uh, how many of the people who go for economics main really understand the concept of you know, various uh, levels of entrepreneurship? So this this, if it is put in on a right perspective, the vocational edge will definitely give a hands-on experience to the children. And on the other side, on, if you go higher level, uh, moving from class 12th, uh, two major plus points, which I would like to see here. Number one is multiple entry and exit. Uh, all these years, we have a very structured system where, you know, degree three years, undergraduation. Now it is four year. Again, within that four year, if you are unable to do the second year, you can exit and you can come and rejoin later. You're not going to lose anything. Um, life is full of uncertainties. A lot of things are unpredictable. The present experience, if you look at it, we never, never expected a situation, a COVID situation like this. It's a reality of life. COVID has taught us many things. Uh, here, uh, suppose if you're unable to do one year, two year, again, you, can, you don't have to go back starting from uh, the year one. You can start off. Uh, where you have left. So this is an opportunity which is which will which will address the dropouts problem. And another issue is, if you're living after one year degree, you'll get a certificate. Second year, you'll get a, a diploma. Third year, you'll get degree. And fourth year, if you are doing it, it will be add-on for your further research. 
then you move on to post graduation and uh, phd and mphil is completely uh, removed from this this structure so here you're not losing out anything in case if you are losing or you are unable to continue one year or two year you can come back rejoin and go ahead with it so it's it's a it's a well thought of it's a, it's a very well defined system it will address dropouts and if you actually look at it all these are designed to make at least gross enrollment up to 50% today if you look at it out of 100 students if you see hardly 25% percent, 25 26% of students reach as higher education major chunk 3/4 of the students are dropped out so no one has ever thought about it now what is happening here so this is a this is an excellent area the excellent uh, uh, you know uh, policy which addresses the dropouts on one side which give flexibility in and in, in uh, people's uh, um, education and opportunity on top of it it addresses um, an issue of unpredictability in in any specific time which we are facing it right now so this is beautifully designed so looking at fun, uh, on foundation level looking at middle school level and looking at higher education level these are well laid out taking care of uh, children's time and effort and there are certain other important aspects if you if you go back to our education history when i say this the first education policy if you actually look at it it started in 1968 then later on during mrs gandhi's time later on it was modified in 1986 in 1992 um it was modified slightly but after 1986 there was no major change now the change is coming in 2020 for the past 34 years we have not made any change as such in our policy but if you if you go back to those 34 days look at the the change in say science technology it which we have moved through so here is an opportunity to adapt and evolve those technological changes in our education um you know 34 years of gap uh, where now the the technology the teaching and learning has to be driven by technology and technology has got its own cutting edge of of giving information knowledge if it is used in the right way i would like to specify that so here a technology driven education again it's very easy to say a technology is a big challenge in our country Uh, we all know it in in specific particular time we are going through it also so that also is going to be updated so uh, holistically it will bring a lot of change and and this will bring a lot of uh, um, you know uh, futuristic plans to our generation maybe by 2030 2035 we will will start uh, receiving uh, positive signals of this education system and then what else is is there if you if you look at the other way as as nelson mandela once says that you know the education is the most powerful weapon to change the world and here if these specific issues are addressed and implemented it will be a very holistic approach there are two important issues apart from what i mentioned it on structural and pedagogical level teaching and learning with it there are something which is on social level uh, there is a suggestion that there are areas where uh, educational facilities are not available such areas will be considered as special education so and those special education zones will get some special support from the authorities to improve their um, educational standard Uh, if you actually look at it we we india india is a subcontinent with 130 crore population we we live in different centuries from one part of the country to another part of the country if you look at it the variation in social and economic structure is mind boggling 
so how do you put this this system how do you put such a wide variation in in one platform it, it's not all that easy so here is a provision that number one is special education zone which designs a special emphasis on certain areas there are tribal areas there are areas um, where education forget about education even the problem of accessing pure drinking water is a problem so in all these areas it will bring a lot of change if it works out in a post effective way then another issue is again resources sharing and there is a provision of putting uh, educational institutions in a hub um, sharing resources uh, if you really look at it it's a very very uh, you know important step of democratizing education uh, right now we all i'm heading an institution most of you are here from education field you can understand that there is a massive competition from educational institutions to prove that my school is better than your school we are doing this we are doing that uh, it's my personal opinion i don't want to hurt anybody by saying that but however there is a very very clear cut competition going on to prove that we are better but okay we are better in our own way we are unique in our own way rather but that competition will come to an end if we are put in a cluster and we share our resources and start moving together so the the development and growth of the country depends upon the growth and progress of everybody in that area one single institution one single unit or one single area as development is not the development and progress of the country country can be developed progress is a concept where we can reach and everybody grow and you know progress so there is a very very clear cut policy there of sharing resources uh, there are a lot of things need to be looked into while doing that so apart from those pedagogical aspects of uh, learning and teaching these two aspects i look at is very positive and also will bring uh, a lot of uh, add on to existing education system for a common growth and progress instead of competing each other we can collaborate each other and who will benefit our children will benefit our community will benefit and ultimately our country will benefit so if it is a shift if it is a change from competition to collaboration it is it is something which worth implementing it let's hope it will become a reality so that instead of um, isolated pockets of excellence we have a very large scale growth and progress together which is very very important for education in a country like ours all right then moving to the next point how do we put these things in 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 practice to a large extent these ideas are great it depends upon the teachers educational institutions and also depends upon certain level of government intervention in which these great ideas can be implemented so what we have outlined here these are great ideas approaches as well as some strategies we have to wait and see how long will it take we need certain clarity in that area Uh, we also have to see how the implementation and how effectively again i'm i'm basically an educationist head of the institution teacher like me there are many people who are here there are many organizations many institutions societies trust government and many agencies are here all this depends upon 
just like the way I mentioned it, the collaborative approach of all of us needs to be looked into, needs to be put into effect to bring this change. So we have to wait and see how the implementation is going to take place. If it is implemented in its right spirit, it's going to bring a lot of changes. Then um, other uh, important issues is we, we need to address uh, a lot of other issues. There are sort of clarity. For example, as I mentioned it, India is a, is a, is a land of uh, diversity, uh, diverse culture, language, um, topography, geography, everything you can see. So within that, that's, uh, that spirit, within that wide canvas of diversity, how are we going to respect and accommodate each other? Uh, why I'm saying this? Because still, there is a lot of uh, center and state conflict going on because I've seen a few articles in, in certain states and certain levels, these conflicts. Now, how are we going to effectively deal with this? That's also an issue because fundamentally education is a state subject. It's a concurrent subject. So the state government has got a lot to do in inculcating uh, that spirit of education. And uh, most of us who are sitting here, I, I think we are all from CBSC, ICSE, IGCSE and, uh, CB, uh, and IB background. But large number of schools in our country, if I put it in a, in a, a random percentage, 75 percentage of education in our country is with the state government. So to a large extent, it depends upon how the central state relationship works. How will it be fruitful to the common man, to our students, to our country, to a large extent? So these are the challenges, but definitely success of these great ideas depends upon the people like you, people like me the policy makers and the government level, the intellectuals who are there in the committee, as well as um, the common man, a student and a parent, how he understand the gist of this policy. So it's not easy. It's easy for me to put it in 20, 25 minutes in a, in a platform like this and, and talk about this. But there are uh, multiple dimensions in implementing it. And it, it is a time consuming. Um, process as well as it's a big challenge but at the end of it I'm very positive that this definitely will change the future of our country and this will bring a lot of um, you know hope and aspiration to a country and of course uh, some of the other important aspects which I mentioned it experiential learning um, which is very important work, uh, cutting edge with vocational learning developing the skills integrating studies together. It's not that academic co-curricular and extracurricular, there's nothing. There's nothing called co-curricular and extracurricular. There is an opportunity of learning in everything. Whatever we do in a positive way, there is learning. Even in a games field, the teamwork, you know, the collective, uh, you know, teamwork, leadership, all these matters. So integrating social and uh, integrating the co-curricular activities, integrating art, integrating sports will also bring a whole lot of holistic approach to our studies, which is very much a part of this policy. Uh, thank you for listening to me so uh, patiently. And uh, I'm very positive. I'm looking forward uh, to see the progress and the positive uh, implementation of this policy in the years to come. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, we'll move on to the next phase. Uh, we have a couple of questions from the audience for you. Yeah. Why are the alternate schools not asked for exams and boards? And then why the mainstream parents are so scared of the boards? 
they want to keep their children in yeah okay i will answer to this question uh, with with uh, with a particular point that you know this is a, this is a very subjective uh, question and answer also can be very subjective i i can explain my personal opinion it may not be a, a an opinion of everybody uh, see alternate education school alternate schools are schools which are not following all these traditional system but they do a lot of thing in in integrating philosophies education and everything and very often in alternate school system uh, examinations and marks and grades are not a, a basic yardstick of measuring anything it, in a way holistically it is good because your percentage and grades are not going to represent you know uh, what you are most of the leaders uh, let it be in technology science politics uh, if you look at them they were not the best percentage best uh, the, the the best students of the school time so in that way uh, alternate schools has got its own system which is completely informal at the same time it is very effective so there is not much of a pressure and there is not much much of a stress on education which on examination which is very very positive thing but if you look at the mainstream parents you know as i mentioned it we we are a country of 130 crore plus you know the the, the problem of of unpredictability uh, the problem of uh, employment in the country that the problem of how to face the life after school haunts most of the parents and education is an most of the people think education is an opportunity to come up in life it's an economic opportunity it's an opportunity for people uh, to move up in life so for that uh, the percentage of marks directly or indirectly comes into consideration if you look at the higher education uh, you know admissions if you look at various other positioning placements these these board results do have an important so large number of parents who are very traditional i don't blame them i can also be a traditional person uh, because of a prevailing social socio economic condition in our country everybody want to get their children settled as early as possible because every year the competition is increasing every year it's not sure whether the opportunity is going to increase sometimes it will decrease so in in that condition people are a bit uh, scared because of the prevailing social economic situation so that the examination marks are very important the grades are very important because that is a yardstick for them to move on to the next level of life uh, it's a mindset and uh, it it may change with national education policy in the years to come but it needs to be addressed and um, i don't see anything wrong in alternate school system where the education itself has its own beauty and and in an informal way people are learning um, when you learn something uh, to understand uh, so when you learn not for exams and grades in fact the learning become more effective if you really ask me that's most most right. important method of learning okay for example if you if you look at it i'll give you one example if you look at the great architecture great temple culture etc in india if you go to a place called madurai meenakshi temple in madurai such a massive uh, you know architecture and uh, those people who worked in that uh, worked for that beautiful piece of uh, you know work they're not mechanical engineer chemical engineer they're not the people who have come with the formal system they are the people who learned from one system they learned without textbook without uh, uh, examination without any any specific uh, uh, such um, uh, end term program but still how beautifully they managed such a beautiful structure still it's it's a masterpiece of of the past all right so to cut it short it's a mindset it needs to be changed i hope this nep also may impact in changing that mindset right 
yeah, yeah. you're very right in most of our traditional schools we only yeah. teach to test yeah you know until unless we come out of this teach to test scenario um learning will be very very limited for children i've seen kids getting the best of marks and if they come out of the examination hall and you ask them what did you write they'd say i have written don't worry i don't remember what i wrote so if the learning ends with the examination sheet and it is not used anywhere i think somewhere um, our system is failing and it so, brings a lot of stress also if you're not getting that level it brings a yeah. lot of stress what do you think this this suicidal tendencies among the children this is the main reason to large extent our society is also responsible for yes because there's too much stress and it's too competitive it's made to look like only a competition and not something which has to be assimilated and applied in life it's more like to vomit it on the answer sheet and period all right uh, we move on to the next question what should be done to uplift the area where technical education is least yeah see technology is a cutting edge in in education or any other field and uh, if you if you go back to india's technological development for the past 10 to 20 years it is very tremendous we have made a lot of progress but yet uh, looking at the length and breadth of the country uh, uh, with varied topographical geographical features still it is not uh, completely um, up to that level of covering the entire country so it is something uh, on a large scale with with the government needs to address we as an educationist what we can do is just like a simple policy you know the good schools good educational institutions they can have a small hub and they can help and support small little village schools or some other schools in in their neighborhood to support and help them of course education at the end of it is paying back to the society um, it is not that myself and myself and myself it is also giving back paying back so on an individual level on a social and community process we as schools can help and support uh, the schools which are in and around our area Uh, help the underprivileged children that we can do but on a wider uh, aspects if you look at the country as a whole it's a big challenge for the government because um, as i mentioned it uh, india lives in different centuries it's not easy to put them in one particular platform um, uh, bigger infrastructure better infrastructure better technology technological awareness need to be introduced but again uh, we cannot shy away from our responsibility we can put in the best we can whatever little we can we can support the neighborhood schools uh, schools we can also provide certain facilities we can also help uh, those underprivileged kids in our own way and we can make our impact in a little way on a on a on a larger spectrum this needs to be addressed on a national level and it's not just implementing technical uh, system and need constant upgradation updating maintenance it's a massive infrastructure work we can we have our own limitation as individual schools and individual leaders in our own areas but again it's take our responsibility of supporting our neighborhood and people in and in our community in our area in our district in our taluk we can do it perfect i can give an example here when i was heading one of the rain international schools in gurgaon and i'm talking about 20 plus years back and uh, gurgaon was not what it is today 
so we had kind of uh, shared our labs with around six government schools around in the vicinity we would uh, there were days which were allotted when we wouldn't give any uh, period to our own students in the lab and labs were to be used only by those six schools in the vicinity so i think each one of us need to contribute to this uh, cause as uh, mr prabhakaran said uh, by just saying that it's not for <coughs> help let us yeah. all extend our helping hand wherever we are in a privileged situation by sharing the resources and making optimum utilization of the resources thank you thank you for noting that because for us it's very easy to sit here and and uh, communicate in an electronic screen it should be done but we have to come out of our comfort zone and we have to do it practically we have to do it then only the answer to this question sounds better isn't it right thank you so much so we move on to the last question of the day how do we teach holistic education in the current times it's, it's a very interesting question i must tell you honestly uh, this has taught us a really good holistic examples tell me did we ever thought of an interacting uh, in a session like this no what is life all about life is full of unpredictabilities life is full of uncertainties nothing can be planned sorted out put in a schedule and system it has to be fine tuned time to time updating evolving adapting is a part of life so this covid 19 has taught us a big lesson what is it all about you prepare for next 5 years of educational plan there you can't even think of whether your school is going to reopen tomorrow or day after tomorrow you can't even take a decision what's going to happen next week look at how the situation has put us isn't it an education isn't it that we educators we our children should learn this is how it is we always talk about we are preparing our children for tomorrow we are preparing our children to be like this to be like what we don't even know what is tomorrow we don't even know what is how is the world going to be 10 years down the line the most of the job opportunities which are available right now were never there 25 years back when i was passing moving out of the college and universities now our children are now studying in class 10th 11th and 12th 10 years later do we have any idea what job uh, what, what will be the job market like so here how do we teach holistic education to a current times prepare our children to face any type of uncertainties in their life technically i can give you an answer the this this electronic platform can be used for um, knowledge information discussion debate dramatics etc since there is limitation in in um, you know social uh, with the social distancing so many other things we cannot do any sporting activities but we can do many other things all right again is it healthy to sit in front of the screen uh eight hours in a day seven hours in a day six hours in a day is it good for us so again this has got its limitation but again we have evolved it we are using all these facilities at the moment because we are adapting it these facilities whether it is online or it was there before also it is not that see for the past six months in technology and science nothing new have nothing new has invented so far still we are we are searching for the covid vaccine that so the such is going on otherwise in technology i don't see anything new has come up all these facilities were there but now we started using it this is this is how the human being has got amazing ability to adapt and evolve 
So holistic education, if you are really ask me, we are already into it. Knowingly, unknowingly, holistically, we are adapting, evolving. We are changing and we are finding uh, answer to different questions un in, in the time of uncertainty. It will continue. It has got nothing to do with uh, whether you have an iPad or a Mac, whether you have a, uh, you know, various other, uh, you know, you know high-tech facilities in your home. No. Biggest aspect of education is prepare them to face uncertainties in life, make decisions, don't give up. Life is worth living. Let us carry on with it. And uh, that's what holistic education is all about. True. All right. I think I'd like to share another example for the second question uh, for the benefit of all of us here. So in our school, we charge 50 rupees a month over and above the tuition fee from our parents. And we have around 4,000 plus students. So 4,000 is a good number. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not talking about COVID times. It's before that. So yeah. the moment our children leave at around 2.30, there's another set of children who come. Who, uh, there are some of them who go to a government school in the morning, right? And there are some who are for the migrant labor. They are not going to any other school. So we already have the infrastructure, tabla, sitar, sarangi, rooms, computers. We have everything in our infrastructure. And after 2.30, it lies unutilized. So these, we get a, uh, initially we had to really struggle for the numbers. But today we have around 400 students who come after school at 2.30. And they have a regular school kind of a thing in those four hours. We leave them around 6.30. We give them a nice snack also from that money that we collect from the parents. So two teachers from the mainstream, two teachers from co-curricular activities, they stay back from our main school. So their turn comes almost once in a month. Plus they have their own staff. The salaries are managed out of these 50 rupees that we get, right? And these children are right from soft skills to a tailor-made curriculum for them. It is as per their chronological age that we go. We do not go as per the grades. And uh, 400 children attend our school in the evening. So I think we uh, as educators need to think of innovative ways of you know, bringing in education to a larger uh, community. We, as uh, Mr. Prabhakaran said, we are a very diverse and a very huge country. So even if we will, our effort may be like a, a drop in the ocean, but let us all put that little drop and maybe we will do the needful. All right. In that case, I'd like to thank our speaker for the evening. Um, I really love the video. It was so vibrant. And of course, the explanation and the whole thing around uh, NEP and how it's going to change the entire spectrum of education. I'd like to thank the sponsors, uh, Helios, the presenters, and everybody who's been uh, kind of listening to all of us all very patiently. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you very much. Thanks a ton.